You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Pure Ubu, the modern dance. On the line, I have Rob. Sup? Ben. Hello. John. Hi. And Kyle. Hi there. The Modern Dance is the debut album by American rock band Pure Ubu. It was released in January 1978 by the record label Blank. And the producer is Pure Ubu and Ken Hammond. And the genre is art rock, post-punk, experimental rock. I'm going to read from All Music Review, John Duggan. There isn't a pure Ubu recording you can imagine living without. The modern dance remains the essential Ubu purchase. For sure, Mercury had no idea what they had on their hands when they released this as part of their punk rock offshoot label blank. But it remains a classic slice of art punk. It announces itself quite boldly. The first sound you hear is a painfully high-pitched whine of feedback. Then Tom Herman's postmodern Chuck Berry riffing kicks off the brilliant non-alignment pack. And you soon realize that this is punk rock unlike anything you've ever heard. Dave Thomas's caterwauling is funny and moving. Scott Krauss and Tony Mayamo are one of the greatest unheralded rhythm sections in all of rock and the difficult tracks like uh, Street Waves, Chinese Radiation, and the terrifying Humor Me are revolutionary and way ahead of their time. The modern dance is the signature sound of the avant-garage, art rock, punk rock, and garage mixing together joyously and fearlessly. All right, what do we think of Pierre Ubu, the modern dance? Man, I'd never listened to this before. This is some cool shit. Great yeah. record. First, first time for me. I've never heard it. It's it's wild. It's real wild. I listened to it immediately after uh, uh, listening to Nevermind the Bullocks, and just like from from the get go, I just f- felt more in the wheelhouse of stuff that I enjoyed listening to. I think uh, I, I like I like this angular. Av- I think avant garage is what uh, the 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 phrase that I saw. I like it. Uh, some. I think that I would skip sentimental journey sometimes when I'm listening to the album. I don't necessarily just need uh, like a, a long journey of music concrete uh, in, the, uh, in the middle of a punk record, but I like this stuff. And I did not realize that the founder of Wendy's uh, was a punk vocalist. <laughs> Dave, Dave Tom, rocking, the, rocking the Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers and the Musette, yeah. which is a tiny, <laughs> tiny oboe. <laughs> like, that's just such like a obscure fucking thing to lay down as a lead singer. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, lead singer of Morphine plays Barry sax and uh, alto sax at the same time and sings and then 
Dave Thomas is like, okay, I'm going to set this whole mood off. I'm going to sing with a weird kind of wavering voice and play a super tiny oboe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I like it though. Like, I agree. Yeah, this this is some square beef and I'm into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is some weird stuff. It's uh, Rolling Stone said it was harsh and willingfully ugly. And I thought that was pretty apparent. I'm not that I, I'm not familiar at all with uh, Perubu's catalog. I, I've known the name. I've known that they were a band that I should at some point look into. But this really is my my introduction to them. So I don't know what to think of the thing from the write up where you, you said, like, no one can imagine not owning every single Perubu album. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> have I just been living life wrong? Like, do, do I? Do I just not know, or is that guy maybe a little overly excited of about this band? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Honestly, that that this is the first listen I've had, and I haven't explored any more. And I really right. like this one, so maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get in a couple episodes. We're gonna get into dub housing, and that one's it's slightly different, but it still has a, kind of the same vibe. I mean, you you you, ima- you can imagine it's the same band. It's not so drastically the, different. Uh, so per- Perubu had what a record in uh, seventy eight and seventy nine or something. Yeah, this is seven. It says seventy eight and seventy eight for the book. So two in a year. Good job. Uh, guys. My first introduction to this band was uh, Urga Music War. Oh yeah, uh, Birch. Oh yeah. I brought it over to your house when I first got it because it was out of print for years, and then Warner Archive. You could buy it on demand, like they pressing. Just, yeah, um, they just burn a. Is that a, is that a compilation album or what is that? No, it's amazing. Uh, Urga Music War is like a 1980 um, compilation of shows in California. Like it was produced by Stuart Copeland's brother. Um, but Parubu's in it, and they do the song Birdies. So that was kind of how I first got into this this band. But I've never heard this record, and it's astonishingly good. And I think I think Sonic Youth heard this album, like. <laughs> I feel like this is a very inspirational record for a lot of bands, um, especially the second side. Man, th- uh, uh, jumping off that, Kyle, th- this album, I was wondering if it reminded anyone else, this album, especially specific parts of it, like on the second side, like, ma- like maybe like the song Real World, reminds me very much of like the early 2000s Bloomington music scene, like when I first moved to town, like bands like Panoply Academy and stuff like that. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I was actually getting the uh, real world sounds like the uh, the hardcore Devo tapes, man. Like, and, yeah, and they, exactly. It, they, they're they're living thirty miles from each other at this point. I'm true. sure their paths had crossed. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. The email synths that they use on this are the same synths they use on Whip It and uh, Weezer's Pinkerton. So it's the same synth setup okay. for that kind of sound. And and I think you do get some of that carryover. Well, this is something that's bringing to mind again and again because we'll occasionally have albums uh, in this book where it's like, oh, and then there's this sound out of Cleveland, Ohio. Like, what is it about Cleveland that is 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 bringing this to the forefront? Well, it's Rust the Belt Rock, like, man. it's yeah, it's it's Rust Belt Rock. That that that's the best way to put it. Like watching everything like fall apart and also be kind of smart art school kids. Like, I mean, ah. like um. I saw, did anyone go to that uh, Rocket from the Tomb show in Bloomington like back in 05? No, I missed it. 
Well, I, I'll, I'll be asked because, you know, they're like half of Para Ubu is Rocket from the Tombs. Um, the other half this time was Cheetah Chrome and some other dude. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Rocket from the Tombs breaks up. Dead Boys are founded on one side and then Para Ubu's on the other. Um, and I don't know where I was going with this, aside from saying that I saw Rocket from the Tombs in 05, which really seems pretentious <laughs> at this point. So we can we can we can get rid of this aspect. But uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I guess I was going more towards the like the shit that was happening, like in Ohio, Cleveland, Akron based area. Like it was it was just kind of like a, a hub for good, good music in the Midwest. Yeah. Go figure. It exists. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, just to latch on to that, too, I feel like. Midwest is a bit of disconnect from big hubs like New York. Um, there's there's a bit of this feeling as, you know, a band like Wire would have that just has, or the Sonics, where you're disconnected from all these elements. And when you're trying to do something uh, different, you're you're out of your element almost. Does that make sense? It It's not like you are inundated into saying, going to see shows regularly in say Chicago or New York or LA. And so you, I you're think the you're, weeds and, yeah. and you're, you're making, you're making your own shit. Like it, it becomes, you, you don't have the culture. You're making your own culture. And sometimes it, it pops up that it's just very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I would I would, I would throw a, a Queensryche into that aspect, being up in the fucking like northeast, away from all like the 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 metal scene. Like they came up with like a pretty fucking sweet idea. I, I don't know why Queensryche came in there. Too. You can I cut that one out as well. <laughs> do want to say Pierre Ubu uh they kind of tried to coin the term avant-garde to reflect uh this music or experimental avant-garde uh since they were doing music concrete so they they kind of were saying well this isn't rock you know we're not a rock and roll band we're not a punk rock band they kind of shied away from trying to get them into a into shoehorned into a category Right, they made they made their own term to try to keep them from being put into a box. I guess. Yeah. Is that you're saying? I like yeah. the avant garage. I thought that was a cool term. Yeah, that's yeah. A I good mean, one. that's the one they made up. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you define this sound? You really, it's not easy. Like, there's a lot going on, and there's a there's a big difference between the two sides, right? Can we agree on that? That the side one is kind yeah. of more traditional song structure, and side two has a lot more. I don't know what you want to call it. Experimental bleeding yeah. edge. Like, could you like avant garage? I like that term and it does pretty distinctly describe what I'm hearing, but couldn't you also just say like post-punk? You could. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, now you, now you could, I don't think 
post punk became a ter- oh, no post punk came became a term pretty much like six Almost months after punk right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it came on the scene. Never mind. Yeah. Hundred days right. after the Roxy close, yeah, yeah, was open, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but it's not all post punk. I mean, you're getting post punk after you get your musette intro. You know, you get your post punk uh, in the middle of uh, all these funky bloops and bleeps and cuts and sound chunks. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not it's not a clean post punk sound. And I and I like that. Yeah. I like that blend. It's as if they took Roxy music and then they left out all the rock parts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I really like what the keyboardist is doing with synthesizers for this music. It, it's not melodic. It's just weird synthetic sounds. And I fucking love that. I, I, I love it. And uh, he <laughs> he hated it so much that in 91 he quit and became a commercial airline pilot. <laughs> well but i can see how those like two skills would translate like oh i'm fiddling a million tiny weird knobs (laughs) and now i'm in the cockpit of a 747 like flipping a billion different weird switches and monitoring like the man man likes consoles yeah exactly it's a it's a super complex console system there's a uh, (laughs) there's a documentary called i dream of wires i don't know if any of you guys have seen that it's all about like uh, modular synthesis and like I guess the the rebirth of it with the Eurorack uh, explosion, uh, but there is a really nice thing on that where uh, the the old keyboardist meets up with the new keyboardist, and they both have like uh, have their own little in- synthesizers, and they're like creating a uh, a thing together. And that's the first thing that uh, the old keyboardist had done like since he quit, like with music. It's, nice. it's pretty cool, man. Nice, yeah, pretty cool. God, it's so fucking good. This album is good. It's so very good. <laughs> I will say um, for all the records that we uh, talk about, um, I try to. I have a classroom, and I, I try to listen to the records in my classroom. Oh, you know, to, how this one go? To do my homework. <laughs> this record, no, like from the first <laughs> non-alignment pack. Like the very the starts of noise, I was like, I can't do this, guys. Like this is the only record I had to listen to all by myself. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are definitely times where like Dave Thomas is counterposed against an incredibly shrill bunch of toots and bleeps, and then his vocal delivery is like uh, a chihuahua going fucking insane in a cage. And I love that noise. Yeah. Like, I love that delivery. But yeah, I don't see how you could put that in a classroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was quoted saying, equal parts presence and performance. He is a bag of bad nerves from beginning to end the twitchy burly man <laughs> you, hope, of bad you really hope doesn't sit beside <laughs> you on the bus ride home <laughs> bag of bad nerves <laughs> but pro, yeah pro, I, got home a bag, a bag of bad, bad nerves, nerves. <laughs> yeah this record really scratched like an itch for me though like with all the chaos you know like uh i felt this Especially the second side of this record was very cathartic. Yeah. Just to have someone express that, like, banging against the walls feeling. <laughs> but also, so, is the music of this record, uh, this is, I'm, I'm curious, is the music of this record, do you find it more cathartic in these specific times than, like, the lyric and attitude of a Sex Pistols record? Uh, yes. Me too. Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, I, I think that our Midwest is showing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, this also feels like it's kind of built into the DNA. Uh, but I like 
weird squelchy crap for, as a kid. So here, here I am again. <laughs> did you guys kind of like look at the lyrics of this record? No, I did not. Well, what kind of surprised me is it's actually like really honest, like relationship stuff. Um, and I, I know Dave Thomas was like in his what mid twenties when they did this. Uh, but almost all the songs are about like uh, relationships. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just assumed it would be, you know, really talking heads kind of disconnected stuff, but it's pretty emotional stuff to be honest. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the reasons that people pick up on it so much is that it has a, uh, it has like a connectivity of the, the weird delivery, but then having very, you know, connected lyrics i guess you would say so it it does the it's earnest it, yeah it turns turns away or turns it on its head what you think what it would be you think it would just be nonsense gibberish like talking heads but it actually has something uh another favorite quote by dave thomas he told the guardian the bass player is actually the band's guitarist the guitarist is the basis the synthesizer is the vocal and i'm the horn section <laughs> it's a rug it's a home it's a rug it's a window tvs and books and lamps and other stuff <laughs> I that's amazing it. yeah yeah maybe it, uh, it might be our group too that is just i think we're a little more if someone was coming in blind and they heard this album sort of like that f i was recently editing that uh faust four album where if you just come in blind, it'll it'll knock you back because it is not the typical rock sentiment. Um, it's 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 kind of out. It's out there. It's pushing. I wish we were listening to that as well. That record's still very good. That was four fucking good. rules. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, took me a while on that. Party record, unless it came up recently in my Spotify. Jump back in. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Um, what was the name of, uh, the Tropicalia band that had all of the, uh, weird, like, uh, oscillator stuff that they're playing? Is, is it Os Mutantes? Yeah. That was I was just bringing up the, uh, the, the, the oscillator twinkie, tweak, tweaking stuff, uh, just that like non-musical like uses of synthesizers and yeah, what could be rock and roll. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm done musing on it though. <laughs> I I've found that it's always so fascinating to me. I mean, one of the best parts about doing the project is it's seeing the how things stack in order or sort of in order at least kind of year to mm -hmm. year. And so seeing what Pierre Ubu was picking up on from different bands like Kraftwerk and all the it probably Can for the most part and Faust, seeing those then pick up that and then say, oh, well, we don't have all this equipment that they do, but maybe we're a rock band that has those elements mixed in and then going back and forth from there. And then from them, we'll get bands like uh, Cabaret Voltaire, Magazine, uh, Pill, you know, Gang of Four and stuff like that. So it's like the back and forth of we see you. We're going to try it with what we know and what we can do. And then that band will pick up the, the same. I agree with you on it. It's one of the, the best parts about doing this chronologically. Um, yeah. Is that as, you know, as a kid, like 
reading like the the liner notes and then trying to dig back into the bands that came before it like it it, it is really fucking interesting seeing how it kind of progressed like you know it's cool Any favorite tracks on this before we uh, kind of give our ultimate? Man, the first two. I, I love Non-Alignment Pack into Modern Dance. That's like yeah. I'm maybe my favorite part of the album. Uh, Man, I was into Laughing and Life Stinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Chinese I like Radiation. Wave. Yeah, I thought the... Uh, is, there, is it a baritone guitar that's on Chinese Radiation? Oh. Yeah, like it, it's, it, it's real weird. Um and yeah, it, it kind of reminded me like of more like what we're gonna get with the Cure. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no. I mean. Was everybody on board with with going through the sentimental journey, or did anybody kind of say, eh. "I mean, <laughs> I, I I I respect that it's there, and, I, and now I've heard it like four or five times." Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was near a remote when I was when if it came on while I was listening to it just for my own pleasure, I'd probably be tempted to skip it. If I wasn't near a remote, I'd probably just suffer through it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I like some of that weird spoken word poetry stylings. Um, the bottle breaks were quite quite uh, amazing. I loved hearing the bottle breaks. I mean, that's just <laughs> just having that sort of sound effect yeah. that fully <clears throat> in the back is just uh, is very cool. It's dissonant and jarring. It kind of kind of makes you pay attention, and it's weird. I, yeah. Sometimes an unpleasantness is a good thing. Yeah, it reminded me of suicides. Um, uh, Johnny teardrops. Johnny teardrops. I mean, <laughs> just a dis- I mean, you already kind of feel like Pierre Ubu at this point. Like when you're going through the album, you're like, this guy is not there quite is. there. <laughs> and it's then when you hear bottle breaks, you're like, this guy is he's he's going to a different place. You know. Yes, but but it you know, does put it break on for the students. It definitely breaks up the <laughs> the album. It does it doesn't just like flow into uh, from song to song. Rob, I've been thinking about you said a few minutes ago about how our Midwest was showing, and I, I think you're really right on that. <laughs> well, I I didn't realize. Well, I knew that this reminded me of you know the early two thousands college music college rock scene when i was in school in bloomington in bloomington in a midwestern in a midwestern college town mm-hmm. but yeah, in your rock like, and roll degree uh, uh, minor yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah just i i th- this this sound, I think, just throughout the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s, I, it just becomes a very like Midwestern college rock aesthetic that yep. I think we are all very comfortable with. You know, mm. 
I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we do we want to go around? Is everybody on the positive? I'm absolutely on a positive with this. Okay. Yeah, okay. I love this a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like uh, this is uh, this is one of those fucking gem of a records that never never crossed my ears. Always knew the name. Ne- yeah. Never never knew the sound. I had the same. Mm-hmm. Don't same play it thing. in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't just put it on at a party. <laughs> There's a few bands that I... Unless you want people to leave. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's a few bands that uh, I would always get confused because I knew their names, but not what they sounded like. And two of those were Peru Ubu and Husker Du. Like, I would always... You know, those those mumble-jumble nonsense, like uh, like avant-rock bands of the late 70s, early 80s. You know, like, I just... Uh, without your Husker do's, your Husker don'ts. <laughs> also that, yeah. Without spending much time with either band, which I think by the end I'd be very familiar with both of them. But I, I would always, I would always be saying one, but meaning the other, and, and vice versa. Yeah, that, that that that's that was me with the replacements and the pretenders for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm pretty sure I've probably dipped into Pierre Ubu, but. This since this project is kind of forcing your hand to say, okay, sit down and actually listen to the whole thing. I mean, it's it's well worth it. It's cool. So yeah, yeah, I had the same reaction though. I was like, yeah, I know this band, and then you listen, you, but sure. but I don't actually know. Them. <laughs> oh, this isn't Depeche Mode. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, all right. Next time we'll be talking about Craftwork, the Man Machine. All right, thanks, y'all. I guess so. Oh.